Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit for plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. Guys, this is Sunaina and welcome to our latest podcast edition of Talk CXO Life. So a brand new year has begun and amidst this resolution making, goal setting season, we couldn't think of getting to you all a better story than the inspiring journey of this gentleman who scaled the highest peak at the age of 46, whilst being at the peak of his career too. But hey, age is just a number to Venkatesh Maheshwari, Senior Vice President at Aditya Birla Fashion, who made headlines last year when he climbed Mount Everest, becoming arguably the first Indian corporate leader to have done so. It's an incredibly rare feat with only over 4,000 people having scaled the summit since Sir Edmund Hillary and Sherpa Tenzing Norgay first scaled it in 1953 and about 600 doing so annually, which is about half of those who attempt it. Most of these people are professional mountain hikers or in the military and train exclusively for this arduous and even costly sport, which is why it makes the story so interesting. Even though mountains fascinated Venkatesh since childhood, and he began trekking in his early 20s for a middle-class lad who had grown up in the suburbs of Mumbai, in a traditionally pragmatic, financial-oriented Marwadi community, the childhood dream of climbing the Everest seemed within grasp only after having done several treks to the base camp of Everest. And when it did, it consumed him with such a sense of urgency and temerity that it took a crueling 18-month training ingrained within his daily regime to help him realize his dream. We bring to you this awesome tale of grit, perseverance, passion, and even mysticism in two parts. In the first, we get to know Venkatesh, his philosophy and aspirations. And in the second, we will dive deep into his entire journey and experience. So, get set. We get you enough motivation to show you how a detailed, structured, methodic plan goes a long way into conquering that peak you've chosen for yourself. Remember, it's never too late to identify and seek your Everest. Happy listening. Hi, Venkatesh. Hi, Sunaina. Welcome to Talk Sakes Life. At the Thank outset, you. we'd like to congratulate you for scaling the Everest. I don't think we would ever have told this to anyone. But then that's literally and figuratively, I think, uh, a peak few would have conquered. Fewer still who, uh, from the corporate domain, of course, and much rarer from the senior management level that you've done. So when did this fascination begin with the mountains for you? So I was always fascinated with the mountains as a right. kid, as far as I can remember. Mm-hmm. I first saw Everest in a black and white TV documentary in school days. And I felt that in this lifetime, I have a connect with the mountain. Wow. How and, old were you, uh, sorry? That I think I would be about 12 to 13 years old okay. in the 8th or ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And there was a black and white program in those days. And uh, somehow I then lost it. 
but I remember as a kid every time I would be passing uh, to Lonavla or mm. going towards Nasik and the hills would come and I would be so excited looking at the mm. hills and the mountains right. that I feel it's a very very age old connect for me mm. and I somewhere always felt that mountains I have some connection from the past life mm -hmm, mm -hmm. though I never thought about Everest right. but I was always attracted towards mountains mm. and um, I did pursue a lot of it for last two decades I have been trekking avidly in the mountains right. So, right. but Everest just came about uh, 18 months back 18 months back right again yeah again <laughs> <laughs> it came to me and I thought it was time I should chase my dream otherwise mm -hmm. I would only regret it as I get into a age uh, beyond which it becomes very difficult to attempt it sure. and I would only land up in regret mm -hmm. so I must give it a shot till whatever mm -hmm. point I can reach but mm -hmm. I didn't want to lose an opportunity to not attempt it. You said in childhood you were always fa uh, fascinated with mountains. Where did you grow up first of all? Will you give us a glimpse of your childhood? Uh, I grew up in the western suburbs of Mumbai. Okay. did all my education <laughs> in Mumbai, suburban schooling and then a college again in the suburbs. It's, it's somehow sometimes you feel a connect. I had, was mm. not exposed to many mountains as a kid. Uh, we didn't travel much coming up from a middle class family. But every time we used to pass Bombay, I remember mm. that either going into by the trains, the Mumbai Pune train or somewhere north and I would see those hills and I would get very excited but otherwise I didn't have any exposure into the mountains. Mm. My first major travel into the Himalayas only happened in 1996. Oh, okay. Till that such time I was just, um, I had seen the Sayadris but mm -hmm. not much of the mountains. Okay, 96, how old would you have been? I was about 24 years old. 24, okay. Yeah, 24 years old when I made my first trip uh, into oh, the mountains. Trek, you mean? A trek, okay. a trek into the Garwals mm -hmm. in um, Uttaranchal, now right. Uttaranchal and then I followed it up with the first solo trek in mm -hmm. 1997. I didn't find anybody to come with me for 15 days yeah. so I, the call was growing on me again mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I decided to do a solo trip mm -hmm. in the mountains for 15 days. I still remember that because when people, the most often question right. asked to me at that point of time was not where did you go? But people asking me, did you go alone? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> are you everything all yeah, right? Is, are you all right? Like, did you go alone? And then yeah. they would give me that weird look mm. of uh, having traveled mm. alone, which was not a norm in those days. Right. People can't understand that, right? People I mean, can't understand really, that. I mean, travel alone by yourself. <laughs> yes. What's the point yeah. of it? And yeah. most of the people think that you're a weirdo in the family <laughs> traveling alone or right. so... See, so yeah, speaking of, you know, the weirdos in the family, you belong you're from the Marwadi clan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the financial geeks. Uh, so it must have been so rare, right? Uh, the whole thing of scaling a mountain as such. What were some of the most hilarious maybe reactions that you received from your family members perhaps when they came to know? Were they prepared for this? Well, most of my family knew that I had been traveling to the mountains for 25 years. And they know that mm -hmm. I've been traveling. None of them anticipated that I would do something like this. To such an extent. Such an extent. If I tell you that I, my mother got to know about my climb three days after I climbed Everest, you would be shocked. Wow. <laughs> I didn't even let her know. Mm -hmm. And my, my siblings didn't know about my climb. Nobody in my family other than my wife and daughter uh, mm -hmm. knew about this. And there are very good reasons I think right. uh, I didn't tell anybody about mm -hmm. it, my climb. But, but yes, within the Marwadi community, there was a lot of excitement, especially mm -hmm. when I came back and this news went viral that mm -hmm. I became the first male from the Marwadi community mm -hmm. and the first from the Maheshwari community, which is a very big community in yeah. India. Ever since uh, I've come back, I've been attending uh, felicitations. Right. And it's still going on. It's still right? going on. <laughs> Tomorrow I'm off to Pune. 
right. or even the community talk where I'm trying to encourage the people to live a mm-hmm. healthy lifestyle. Typically, I've seen people in the community can lead far healthy life- lifestyles mm-hmm. than what they are currently living in mm-hmm. terms of they work late, they eat late, sure. and uh, the attitude is to enjoy life mm-hmm. at a later date, <laughs> which which I am trying to them to to change them on that. Yeah. the grasshopper and then <laughs> yes <laughs> so the earlier you leave your dreams mm. the more time you have to cherish it right. if i enjoy my dreams yeah. at a later date i won't be left much time to cherish right. it i mean we spoke about it before i mean it's incredible also that you know you have a full time job and not only that you are a leader you lead at a, such a high post so would you first of all take us through your responsibilities so far and your some of your professional milestones first of all don't like to say i've been working for 25 years i mm-hmm. like to say for me this is the 25th year of my work life balance <laughs> okay um, and that's mm-hmm. what i proudly say that for yeah. i typically try not to work more than 8 hours a day and that's right from day one mm-hmm. most people say let's work and then find time to do whatever we want to do in life mm-hmm. like just going to the gym i think the other way that let me do what other things i want to do and in the balance time let me do my work and somehow it happens oh, okay. it's just that you think differently that mm-hmm. i have got 8 hours left to work and let me finish off mm-hmm. whatever it can and magically that happens and that's worked for me for most of my years mm. and i've been pretty happy with my career graph too yeah. i worked for the first 6 7 years in india i immigrated to canada worked with walmart then i worked in us with the tata oh. consultancy services did a lot of travel globally india was then growing and i decided to come back but even while i was in north america i used to see that the ceo of walmart hey. would leave office at 5 pm with his head high never ashamed that i'm leaving right. at 5 did and that reinforce your belief yes it did reinforce my belief the entire office would get empty by 5:30 and people would go home have dinner by 6:30 and go out to pl- run or play some right. sport and sure. um, obviously india was not there mm. at that point of time but um, it's still just getting there it was getting there. <laughs> I, i don't think i think it's still a long <laughs> yeah, way to go long but way to go. i i think yeah. we can drive some change there mm. and i thought maybe that's the way I want to work too mm. though I was living that kind of lifestyle uh, party but it just reinforced my thought I continued when I came back to India I mm. ensured that I take all my days off mm. my vacation time I was traveling at least two times a year into the mountains mm. and every weekend I was going so my company knew that this is Venkatesh and mm. let him do he'll do it this way irrespective right. and the job is getting done mm. he's doing it well so it worked for me and I ensured that my team also leaves off it at 6 o'clock actually sometimes if i'm at 6 o'clock in the office and people have not left the desk i go and say why are you still sitting here oh. what can i do to make you get out of the office at 6 o'clock okay and they work better they're more productive mm-hmm. during the work days yeah, so yeah, sure. so mm-hmm. we all are happy <laughs> leaving uh, i think after this you'll have a lot of resumes coming to you yes. <laughs> <laughs> i want to work for you I have to work with you venkatesh <laughs> weren't there moments wherein perhaps you would have you know you felt that your pains of an opportunity cost as such or you know an a dear one absolutely yeah. you're right it 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 happened and mm-hmm. it happens uh, somewhere if you demonstrate that you can work 15 hours a day and mm-hmm. available on the weekends and right. thing you mm-hmm. may get a couple of notches faster or mm-hmm. higher than mm-hmm. what it is but for me i was very clear my facebook profile is equally important to me as my linkedin profile <laughs> and right. i want to develop both mm. uh, so uh, not one at the cost of another okay to have lost some opportunities which may have come but i think i have achieved a lot more in my life in the last mm. 25 years right and uh, i've done pretty well in my career graph sure. maybe i could have got to the place where i am a couple of years earlier but i don't regret it at all 
apart from this clearing the mount of everest what are the other milestones that you think of your life you know if you could just take us through it it need not just be professional of course everest itself came as number of milestones i mm-hmm. first dreamt of going to everest base camp as a milestone and i attempted that in 2000 but mm-hmm. because of bad weather i came back and then i left india as soon as i came back to india i thought let me finish that milestone okay. and 2009 mm-hmm. i was at the everest base camp and i said look my my life's done my goals done mm-hmm. and you know probably this is the highest i ever wanted to get in my life but i came back and somewhere i was um, not happy mm-hmm. about it that i think some mm-hmm. some business un, uh, mm-hmm. left to be done and again in 11 i went to annapurna circuit uh, mm-hmm. 18 day tough trek 13 again i went to the base camp but every time somewhere it was ingrained in us that mm-hmm. uh, climbing is not for us you know, mm-hmm. i come from a community where and a family background where then uh, really the path was set you study mm-hmm. Right. you do good marks you get yeah. a good job mm-hmm. and you, you settle down yeah, and yeah. And, yeah. and you grow financially <laughs> and you build assets financially mm-hmm. and you keep on building assets till you die that's <laughs> that's the background you are mm-hmm. and you're not mm-hmm. supposed to do too many adventurous mm-hmm. things or rather that's that's how the community is largely it's changing but for me uh, the next milestone was that 18 months back when i decided to do everest mm-hmm. and suddenly now my milestones have become look i have done everest but uh, what more can be my challenge and mm. i am planning to do the seven summits which are the seven mountains the highest ones in each of the continents right my oh, aim wow. is to do denali <laughs> <laughs> and i started preparing for mm. it about a year and a half now to go but mm. i have started preparing for that mountain right now okay is that a secret now <laughs> no <laughs> i uh, now people keep on asking me this question that what next and right your daughter knows what your plans are yes she has some idea now but now she has much more confidence in me uh, than than what it was for everest which came as a shock to her right right i just broke the news to her 10 days before yeah. i was leaving because mm-hmm. she was giving her 10th standard exams and um, me and my wife thought her exams would get disturbed mm-hmm. it's better to tell her only closer to time uh, when i broke the news to her she was like no <laughs> you can't do that this yeah. you're too irresponsible to even think something like that it took her about 4 uh, to 5 days to accept the fact that i'm going and then of course she she reconciled and uh, she helped me with my packing i came to see me off at the airport the fears are natural even my wife had a lot of fears which yeah, i sure believe very natural very natural so that somebody part of the family is going away and it yeah. could be risky business he may not mm. come back so you knew of all those those risks yes and you had also planned i believe yes how also did you um, prepare your family in terms of the practical thing now this could be even risky yes <laughs> and uh, you know the whole thing of financial Uh, ensuring a daughter's future you have a young daughter <laughs> how i mean that would have been even more yes. the most difficult part also it it was difficult i um, knew very well that things can go wrong on a mountain it could mean a death it could mean a permanent injury to right. a loss of a limb it mm. can happen that's very common and my family also knew about mm. it and that's why they were not comfortable with my idea my wife and later my daughter about what i was trying to do and i knew that financially i had to be very responsible and right from the time i had made the plan and even before i would ensure that each and every of my investments are mm-hmm. well documented secure being in both names whatever mm-hmm. investment we make and my wife has every piece of information on what i do so i prepared for that i was um, not spending on any amount mm-hmm. unnecessary other than this thing so that mm-hmm. uh, money mm-hmm. is left for them in case something happens mm-hmm. 
to be honest even this uh, gold chain i'm wearing right. before i left for the mountain i gave it to my wife that this is worth quite worthy <laughs> to me okay. and i don't want it to be in case of a bad event being lying on a dead body <laughs> there. Oh, no. so so you have to mentally prepare and this mm. is the reality you cannot be saying that this won't happen to me mm. on the mountain right. it can be a bad day or a bad time for anyone you have to be prepared for what it is what the mountain is is it also true that you get to see the bodies of people who uh, you know met with unfortunately who yes there are dead bodies on everest uh, mm-hmm. trail on both sides tibet side as well as nepal side on the mountain mm-hmm. and uh, yes you see them oh gosh okay <laughs> good lord so but most of them are seen on the way down because when you're climbing through the mm-hmm. night it's it's pitch dark and you just have a torch but yes there are bodies on the mountain because everest only opens for yeah. about 12 days to 15 mm-hmm. days in a year there's no way actually you can bring the body down isn't it it's not possible okay. because choppers also go till about 20000 feet right on the mountain anyway once mm. the season is over some of the trails are so narrow that you just cannot get a body down there's a very classic case again uh, worth a read on google called green boots he was a climber indian climber who died in 1996 on the north side okay. and for many years green boots was used as a landmark on the mm. mountain mm. and somewhere it is playing on your mind that right. you're trying to achieve something to mm. make a mark for yourself you might end up becoming a landmark yourself so your mind has to be strong so what are the simple tricks that you said that you know you just the simplest of tricks which you think went a long way for me it's simple i knew how to climb prepare yourself prepare yourself know what can go wrong i i am not a trained mountaineer and when i researched everything i knew what are the skills i need to learn to climb everest there are 50 skills you can learn on mountaineering but i only learned those five or six skills mm. i needed to climb everest that was my goal and i stayed focused on it rather than learning everything around and put my time right. so i only learned the six skills i needed to climb mm. mountain stayed focused on it practiced mm. that practiced my uh, my climbing skills every weekend and then i built my endurance today i feel i am in a body of a 25 year old even right. i may look like a 45 but <laughs> i yeah. i feel like a 25 year old from inside and that's what i prepared and then the detailing when you get into a project like everest it is knowing the variables very well each of the component of how will you manage a situation of dehydration when you are feeling a headache or mm. there are symptoms of edema coming in what will you do if you are feeling weak mm. and all the physical conditions which which happen on the mountain how do you prepare for each of those variables is what i did so knowing your variables is very very important mm. and that's what i did so I, what about your the you know the call of the nature the nature's call <laughs> <laughs> that's Are another variable that's <laughs> another variable i say preparing when i say i prepared myself i knew that about you i would be eating so wearing a snow suit and i had reduced eating a lot though mm-hmm. i was eating forcing myself to eat something and having maintained a very very healthy uh, lifestyle eating good f- fiber food and everything my bowel system is very good mm-hmm. in the mornings i never feel constipated and i knew on the mountain i would have to answer nature's call mm-hmm. in the morning uh, whatever little i mm-hmm. ate and that would be tough with mm-hmm. a snow suit on mm-hmm. and many times i was on a narrow ridge on the mountain mm-hmm. and there would be no place and i consulted climbers on what they would do because one is that it could get windy and if you have to open undress your snow suit from behind right. undress your line uh, inners you could be still exposed to cold and you may even have to expose your hand to, right. to maintain the hygiene so 
a couple of times was suggested to me that the best thing they do is they take two pills to stop severe loose motions and okay. by that thing they close is the entire system down <laughs> so, I think that's smart I think. so i shut down my system okay. for 6 days what from camp 1 oh, i shut down my system i was eating but i was not able to pass anything because i shut down my entire system oh my god and funnily when i came back down i took two laxatives <laughs> <laughs> to restart my system <laughs> and and that's what is your mind has to be ready for this when i say mental strength this is where the mental strength comes in you know you are going to do something like this you are carrying something to stop loose motion something mm. to start it again laxatives mm. that's all where your mind comes say hey, what am i doing on the mountain why right. are you doing this and that's when your mind is strong but to climb your mind cannot make you climb you only your feet will make you climb and if you are not made your body strong you will not climb so prepare what it takes to do any job mm. if it means running you prepare yourself for running <laughs> how do you think not. this has changed you this whole journey <laughs> so so as it is a too short a time to know uh, many you know no the journey is life transforming is life transforming <laughs> and uh, you know so, so many things which uh, used to trouble you bother mm. you irritate you just doesn't seem to matter anymore mm. you know like you know life is so short just right. uh, enjoy it and you know so much of misery we make just a mind to our lives yeah. uh, we just tend to be so definitely it has changed a lot though i was going in that direction for many years it has changed quite a bit after this and really i'm i take life much more easier now yeah. and when i'm saying easy means um, i'm still very aggressive at work still do that but small things i accept a lot more situations a mm. lot more people now in life for what they are and how it comes to me So I have to ask you this cliched questions. <laughs> this this one is one such. What are the business lessons you would have? You can kind of apply to this. Few things I talked about, but I'll summarize on that part. Um, for me, giving yourself room for failure was one of the biggest biggest lesson I learned. Um, when I say and I see that thing as a trouble, especially with the teens and the younger generation in the society where. probably our entire academic way and all the business schools and everything everybody only teaches you how to be a good winner and excel at everything nobody is trying to give you a message to be a good loser and how to manage failure in life mm. and that's why you see all the number of um, teen suicides these days right. and i i particularly feel it's because somewhere it never happened at least when i grew up i never read mm. so much and today's newspapers are full of stories like mm. that for me it was give yourself room for failure it mm. was it's okay to lose in life for me even at 8500 meters and 8600 meters and 8800 meters if i want to give up in that climb i thought it would be fine for me i would not do anything stupid the other lesson for me is that backing up is different from backing down in life and and this is something which you learn when you go to camp 1 at 23000 feet and though i know about rotations and everything but it's like you're halfway up the mountain but you sometimes have to come back in life back to the base camp just to be much more stronger and and people need to learn to also go back in life it's it's yeah. okay to go back in life coming mm. down in life sure. just to come back stronger mm. and and for me that's one lesson and the lesson which i learned is that storms are temporary in life most of the time storms are temporary they go away mm. they go away just hang on to that particular phase and it will go away most of the times and uh, one very important for me lesson i learned on the mountain very very important lesson which i mm. talk about now is to learn to say no 
I will tell you this incident at 27,000 feet when I reached camp 3. My Sherpa was ahead of me mm. by about 15 minutes and I was climbing behind him. And he said, I'll go up and fix up the tent uh, because we are already late. And there's very limited space on the slope to put the uh, tent. And he found one about 30 feet away from the secure line I was climbing on. And I was on a slope which was about 70 degrees, that entire mountain. And as I reached the same place where the tent was being pitched, he told me to traverse to the tent about 30 feet and come to the tent. And, and I said, no. You said no. I said no. I said, you come, we will rope up together, means we will tie to each other so that we can arrest each other's fall. But I will not do something stupid. I waited there for 45 minutes till he finished it, uh, the tent. And he came and took me. But for me, fear is fine. But getting complacent can kill. So I said no. And people must say no when they intend to say no. So you need to trust that instinct also. Yes. If you are not sure about anything, mm. it's okay to say no. People say yes or people, especially the culture here, is people to say, okay, we'll try to accommodate. Right. But if you want to really say no, say no. Things get better and more clear. Right. For me, I now talk about it very strongly mm. so that expectations are clear, things are very clear and we mm. can actually help each other out in a way. It's much faster than both living in ambiguity. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep these things in mind. I mean, they're really pertinent, I think, what you just said. Now, you also like to read, right, and inquire about this whole purpose and I think research the ancient texts and the Vedas. I think you said that. that yes, you like I... To read that. So, in terms of whatever you've read, what are some of the most profound pearls of wisdom that you found, you know, in terms of perhaps a purpose in Not life? Not wisdom, but uh, yes, I have seemed to form my own opinion. Of course, I would call it opinion because mm -hmm. they are based on my observ uh, readings and my interpretations. And I was always fascinated to understand about our origins and uh, how we came in as a species and so on. And there are so many things um, about us which we should mm -hmm. know. Uh, for example, the entire planetary system, the Sumerian text, uh, the tablets have depicted exactly the distance between each of the planets. And they have depicted something like in the planet called the 12th planet. And I started researching about it. And how could somebody identify Uranus and mm. Neptune, uh, which was identified in 1876 and 1931? Mm. What would be their color and distance from mm. the other planets? And if this is drawn on tablets in the Sumerian tablets, Sumerian civilization 6,000 years back. Our entire astrology system, which had the planetary portions and everything and what it is, so many years back, then there's something to it more. Mm. So I started researching a lot more into our evolution, how mm. we came in as a species, are we the real aliens on this planet, why do we have 47 chromosomes, whereas the others have 48 chromosomes mm. and so on. And I, I researched a lot about it to, to understand our evolution. And that's my favorite subject right. and I'm researching mm. a lot more into it every day. Okay, so in terms of your life purpose, how have you arrived at that? I particularly don't think about uh, saying that this is my purpose or purpose. I feel call, what is your purpose will come as a call to you. Okay. You cannot say this is my purpose. Mm. Maybe it, it is a call and, 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 and it will find you. For me, Everest was something which was there in me, but the call came. I couldn't say that that is what I wanted to do. Because for many years, I lost the connection between when I first dreamt about mm -hmm. it to even when I was there again in 13 at Everest Base Camp, I never thought of climbing it because I thought it's not for me. Right. 
but then the purpose will come for you the call mm-hmm. will come for you so i would say just listen to yourself what your call will come the purpose will find you the purpose will find you i don't mm-hmm. want to i i want to take it easy i want to leave it with my mm-hmm. life values i want to be happy with whatever i can achieve right. and i don't want to live sometimes mm-hmm. often we are trying to set a purpose and living too much in the future often being miserable in the process not living today and for me that's not happening anymore i i have somewhere to one of your earlier questions on probably yes i have given up a lot of on the rat race also mm. many times you feel like yes i could have gone ahead i could have achieved this but what is this purpose and rat race all about mm. it's about living the moment being happy right do whatever your call comes to you to mm. achieve it at the time when the call comes to you but setting up too much yourself for the future and chasing mm. it you are just making a misery of your mm. uh, current i'm not saying that not to have any dreams or goals oh. but let it come to you then then set it for you and then try to work towards it so now how do you really view success and achievement now that you actually <laughs> <laughs> you've seen that you've been on the top of the world how do you view success and achievement of course achievement obviously yes it has happened as achievement because right. only few people have done it i again i'm very cautious about the subject of success it's, okay. it's something because for me it's always in comparison with somebody else okay and that's where i start putting myself in the rat race mm-hmm. so so i i i'm happy about what i have achieved right. but the moment i start saying that i'm successful i'm mm. always trying to then compete with myself and somebody else for the thing okay. of my life mm. so I, i i want to do the best whatever i can mm. whatever it is and i know that at work i've tried to give a best shot to whatever i do personally whatever i've chased at home or with my family mm. i try to do the best for me that success but the moment i start qualifying it with uh, either someone else's parameter or what somebody has achieved or a goal i had set for myself probably higher or lower it is then i'm i'm losing the joy of the process <laughs> let it happen so the one thing i've realized again it's a, it's a different thing i've evolved mm. over the last 10 to 15 years i was not like that but mm. for me it was yes okay do this and chase this and so on but i i'm now letting it come to me as uh, it happens Right. and uh, for me success is enjoying the entire journey of whatever call comes in but but don't compare yourself with others most of the time i've seen people feel low in life just mm. because of a comparison point and i've right. stopped comparing myself with everybody else around me mm. now for quite a few years right. it's it's okay to be i'm happy with what i've done and where i'm so we'll wrap the segment with this question which we ask everyone what are you committed to keep alive in you my energy my i am very energetic and i've been called with uh, funny names uh, all my career with my right. team members speed badhao and uh, that energy mm. um, never ready battle never ready and go for it kuch bhi bola to yes you uh, charge up and mm. it's it's good to be energetic at all times and right. you know you feel that energy in you that mm. physical energy as well as that mental energy yeah. and and i don't want to be slow in that and you know that energy is something which keeps that uh, vibrancy in you to do anything what you want and okay. being physically strong also mm-hmm. because that's one aspect which i feel really good about now is that uh, that i respect myself for my body i am in mm-hmm. beyond the four walls we live in mm-hmm. i think i am very cognizant of the fact that the actual four walls i live in is my body and i need to respect that and and take care of it right. so i really want to focus a lot on ensuring a great healthy lifestyle well said wishing you that and much more thank you, thank you so much for your time akash thank you thank you so much <laughs>
Hi, Venkatesh. Hi. Welcome to CXO Fun Facts. You ready? Yes. For the questions. <laughs> yes. Rapid fire. Okay. What's your favorite color? Blue. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Which color do you think represents you? Again, blue. Aquarian. Okay. You're an Aquarian. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, what's the punishment that you haven't forgotten? How many? Uh, as a school, yes. Quite a few. <laughs> you're so you're naughty. Didn't, didn't make teachers very happy. <laughs> Quite a few. I know how room outside the place where I should be standing all the time. Also, the class looks like even now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A dream destination you want to explore? Uh, Antarctica. Uh, <laughs> okay. And one of my clients is going to be there, but uh, I want to experience the loneliness and the silence and the, the lack of human beings out there. <laughs> oh, God. Seriously? <laughs> yes. Okay. When are you the happiest? For me, playing any activity or sport mm. is when I get to spend my energy it's just that i feel happy being that i can be at my age be energetic and i can still face so much sports is what i feel happy about right. and, and uh, that i'm blessed with good health mm. makes me happy so are you a foodie i am not a foodie you're not a foodie <laughs> i'm not a foodie i'm not a foodie <laughs> for me often food is about uh, survival many mm. times mm. i've gone without eating because i just didn't get the right food to eat are you serious? On the mountains and uh, okay. for me, I, it's just about survival. I can eat anything as far as it's vegetarian for survival. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I've eaten in all kinds of places, but I'm really won't go out of my comfort zone to eat something different. <laughs> food has to come to me. I won't go to the food. <laughs> so you, you don't have a comfort food as such. There's no concept of that at all. I, I enjoy, since I travel a lot on work, uh, I realize that the best comfort food is the dal rice you get at home <laughs> or the dal True. roti at home. Uh. Nothing comforts nothing, you more, more like than that. that. <laughs> nothing gives you more satisfaction. <laughs> Where do you like to eat? Which are your favorite eating joints? Yeah, so um, I, I like to try different types of salads and uh, roasted vegetables in mm. different uh, uh, restaurants I travel to. Mm. But at home, I generally prefer the Indian vegetables which my wife cooks. <laughs> <laughs> right, so she's a good cook. She's a very good cook. She's an excellent cook. <laughs> so the way to Venkatesh's heart <laughs> is through his stomach, is it? That's the best she does to make me stop running away to the mountains whenever I can. <laughs> but still you do manage to get out. I still do manage. People now ask me to lecture on how to fool your wife and go to the mountains. <laughs> That's what I said. The way you kept the secret and you planned everything. So who's your favorite heroine then? So you want to risk it's, it's, no, uh, answering no, that? No, no, no. My wife uh, so moved from Madhuri then off late it was Chitrangda Singh till, till Ileana De Cruz came in. <laughs> okay. So yeah, their personalities I wouldn't call them heroes, but yes, okay, you have your own favorites. <laughs> okay. What is the superstition or ritual you followed before your climate? Was there any such thing? Yes. Uh, I would say ritual, not more of a superstition to me, mm -hmm. uh, was I, I did pray a lot to Shiva before I went to the mountains and I climbed from the Tibet side because I feel that's a board of Shiva. I was going to ask you why Tibet. So this is uh, yes, and it's I not a scientific thing. The the, the clinching factor was yes. The so between the two, there were many factors. One as there, but the ultimate thing was I felt that I needed his blessings hmm. for uh, having read a lot about him. The Lord of I, the Mountains. The Lord of the Mountains. There's hmm. on the mountains. There's only one boss. Right. There's only Shiva. There's hmm. nobody else. Hmm. There is no Krishna. There's no Rama. Nothing. There's only hmm. one God, which hmm. is Shiva, hmm. on the mountains, and I very clearly know that for the last 25 years I've been in the Himalayas and I needed his blessings and I've traveled to a lot of spots, um, Shiva power spots mm -hmm. in the mountains, the Kedarnath, Kinar Kailash, uh, Tungnaths and so on. I believe there's a certain energy 
Tibet being his home, I thought it would be good for mm. me to climb from that side. And before I climbed, I did a lot of rituals mm. for my success and safety, both in a lot of Shiva temples. And after I came back to, I had told that I would do again back to Kedarnath, which was my fourth visit. And I just went a couple of weeks back to Kedarnath to appreciate, thank the God nice. for my success. Right. What is the one thing you missed on the mountains? I miss my... Uh, friends, <laughs> my, 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 some very, very good friends who were there because especially this time I was totally alone. Right. I normally go to the mountains with my friends, mm. uh, very, very close friends, just uh, two or three of them on the mountain. The usual trekking that trek. My trekking friends on the mountains. There are people who will trek and there are people who won't trek. Right. It's very right. clear line, right? Sure. Once you only really enjoy the mountains, mm. can do the kind of treks we do, uh, sometimes cut off, sometimes we don't see people for eight days together. Mm. It's just you and the friend together. And uh, that's the kind of uh, treks we do. Right. I don't go to the normal uh, crowded places for treks. What are yeah. some of the places that you like for trekking? Uh, so, for example, when we were in Nanda Devi East mm -hmm. uh, last year, uh, in 2016, for about seven days, we didn't see anything. We, it was just two friends and we had two of the the guides and helpers with us. That's mm -hmm. it. So, four of us cut off for eight days. Or some trek in Spiti where you'll be cut off from mm -hmm. uh, total civilization. Right. Is what I want to do because the question to me is, right from beginning is when do I spend time with myself? Mm. I'm yeah. only taught to spend some time with others, but when do I spend some time with myself is the mm. question and that's where I can do that. So I've learned to enjoy that kind mm. of solitudeness also and you need that sometimes. Sure, sure. Of course you need it. Everyone needs it. I Everyone think. needs that. But and those real winners I think who can really spend time alone with yourself. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this friends of yours, since how many years you've been Trekking together for about 10 years now. 10 years. 10 years now. Mm. We have been trekking together. And because I've been moving countries too. And ever since I came back to India, I've been trekking with this set of friends. So I really miss them, especially when I am alone in the mountains. Mm. I, when, when they cannot make it, I still don't change my plan. I feel if I get a call from the mountains, I go alone. And last year also, I went about four times alone to the mountains when I got the call. So, so what, do they, what do they have to say about this feat of yours? Mount, said they, 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 they are thrilled and for many of them my trip was like an anchor in their life. Right. They said that we were motivated to leave our lives just being a part of your mm. journey right. too and uh, what a reception they had planned for me when I came back uh, in the building and then there was a surprise mm. party thrown by them and my wife when I came so, back. So it was amazing. They are all thrilled and <laughs> lovely. So Do they also plan to now one of them is, is planning them? to climb uh, in 2020 okay. he's training for it. So, who is Venkatesh? Venkatesh is? Venkatesh is... A recluse? Uh, no, it's not a recluse. I'm a very, very... People who don't know me will think I'm a very hyper-social person. Right, you I, said energy and everything, but yes, you also so, derived that thing from solitude as well. Yes, I, I, I socialize that. quite a lot, but I do take the time to be a recluse too. And, and that's where I really feel the balance. It's, I'm, I'm very socially very active very active with uh, my set of friends in the building, my old peers, colleagues and so on. But but I still take my time to spend a lot of time with myself. And uh, even in the mountains, I have my friends with me. It's, it's just it's a different set of friends. Uh, because not everybody enjoys being on the mountain uh, in the kind of region we are in. So I'm with my set of friends. But I like to, if they can come, otherwise I'm happy being alone with myself too. <laughs> if you are to zero in on a word for you, Venkatesh is... I I am very, very humble person. I'm very humble person, a very down-to-earth person. Learn that Mother Nature can humble you anytime. So stay grounded. And mountains have taught me one thing, not only to keep my feet on the ground, 
but also my head on the head ground. On the ground, okay. Which is also uh, more important than keeping your feet on the ground. Not in the clouds. Not in the clouds. <laughs> head on the ground. Head on the ground. Mother nature can humble you anytime. <laughs> and, and that's that's some of the, the rules and learning to survive in the wilderness mm. teaches you those lessons. Right. Something that you don't associate yourself with at all. So definitely um, people, as I said, humbleness is one thing. I've never tried to be arrogant. I've never tried to be over aggressive mm. in life. I take things very easy and uh, I trust a lot of people, my team, especially mm. at work. And that is really what has helped me manage time for myself because I trust my team delegate to, and I train them and work as a coach, then as micromanager right. at work. And then that's what I think they appreciate about me. Mm. And, uh, it works both ways for us. <laughs> What's a secret mantra of success? Do your best. Hmm. It's, it's again the very, very saying as in the Gita is like, you know, just do your job. Well, things will happen. And don't be over obsessed with the results because it only makes us miserable. Do a lot of things. We can avoid anxiety, pressure or negativity in your mind. So for me is uh, be positive, work positively. Things happen. Things will happen. Results will come. Hmm. And they happen nice. most of the time. Do you read a lot? Yes, I read. These days I am more into TED Talks, more into listening on YouTube, YouTube Simon Sinek. I'm reading his book, Why, right now. But uh, Good for us, I think, <laughs> <laughs> to know that this trend is there. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's, uh, it's easier for me to get 15-minute capsule on right. a subject to mm. th than read a book now mm. because of me constantly on the move. Plus, right. when I am working out, like I do climbing of my stairs mm. in the building for five hours, I can listen to something. It's more easier for me to do that and... At the end of it, I'm so exhausted that I cannot read anything. Right. <laughs> and I, so I find you're still listening more. I find uh, mm. listening to the subjects I want to mm. is much faster for me. I can get to the gist of the message sometimes in a shorter capsule of 15 minutes on a TED than a book nowadays. Now, what is the one moment you felt on top of the world? Not when you were on the Mount Everest, of course, but. I really felt on top of the world after I reached the base camp. Okay. <laughs> Back at the base Back camp. Back at the base camp. <laughs> That's when I felt really felt. Now I'm, now I'm at the top of the world because I've come back safely. Right. That's when I really felt it. And, uh, and that's when, when the calls started coming in to mm. me from uh, and messages started coming to me all over and it started uh, striking to me that yes, You've I have done, done something, thing. I've done this thing and I was flooded with messages uh, on 21st and 22nd when I was back in Kathmandu. <laughs> so yes, that's the real time when you feel that you've done something great. Now that you know what it is to be at the highest peak, Okay. If you had to also explore the deepest, you know, deepest bottom of something, what would that be? Actually, I'm now doing my diving course. Oh, <laughs> Physical, so now it's not Don't literally. Tell me. I'm doing my my daughter did the diving course in uh, Andamans, and okay. uh, she's been telling me so. I want to do the advanced with her. So, <laughs> so how, yeah, how, so literally, how much you can plunge? go down the water. <laughs> Some questions so, I asked you this question. So, so I wanted to do that, but. Um, Mountaineering had taken over, but okay. uh, but I was also keen on exploring diving, okay. and uh, I'm going to do my basic and advanced uh, in the next uh, six to eight months. Wow! <laughs> so where where is this? You're going to uh, Andamans. Andamans. Okay. Andamans. All the best for that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I Thank you so much. All the best. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. When you talk to a Dell Technologies advisor, you get someone who understands there's an art to listening. 
and can provide small business solutions that make you feel truly heard. For solutions powered by Intel vPro Platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL.